Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures wherever you are listening around our country. And Patrick Dangerfield joins me on the line. And Patrick, a little bit different this week. You've gone from windy WA to sunny Gold Coast. Good morning, mate. Morning, Redmond. Yes, it's been a, uh, continues to be a whirlwind season. So we flew out. Monday, uh, arrived Monday night, played obviously Wednesday afternoon in Brisbane. So at the moment, it's sort of coming from all angles, but it certainly is keeping things uh, interesting, Coco. You could safe to say it was a uh, quick turnaround because I even messaged you, I think on the Monday, and uh, I think I said to you, you, what did I say? I think I said something, you're going to be sore or along the lines of that. But basically, you played Saturday and then you had to play a full game Wednesday. I'm tipping no training and a lot of rest. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. I've never experienced anything like it um, in my time playing footy. It's basically a larger version of the you know, football carnivals. You, you play three games in a day as a 12-year-old. Well, this is a, a same sort of version where four days between games, we didn't run until Tuesday, so that was our captain's run. So got up to a little bit of speed then, and then jumped on the bus, and it's an hour's drive to play uh, to play against the Kangaroos at our you know our spiritual home, the Gabba. Um, so it you know the continue the season continues to throw different things at the competition, and obviously we're starting to see, which is you know concerning, starting to see more uh, positive COVID tests in Queensland. So. Um, quite clear that the pressure's on to, to get the season uh, completed as quickly as we possibly can and, and still provide a, a really good spectacle for those watching at home. Something that also that I've found a little bit concerning, I think we touched on a little bit last week, was injuries that's making its way into the AFL now and big names like Penderbury pulled out I think last week and then you've also got Toby Green uh, from GWS who's a star who obviously did his, I think he hurt his hamstring the other oh, the weekend just gone and yep. Uh, pretty scary to see some of these stars getting these injuries. And Joel obviously hurt his hamstring. It was good for you boys to have Salwood back. But one thing that I take note before we do get into the fishing talk is Wednesday night, you didn't do much. You rested down forward. And this is obviously tactical. You you basically spent, I'd say, what, 80% forward, Patrick? When things got a little bit tighter, you went up the ground. But is this going to be in all the AFL teams is managing all your players at the best they can to get through these next coming weeks because four days rest playing AFL standard football without, let's be honest, a preseason, it's a fair strain on the old, uh, on the old body. Yeah, it is. And every team will deal with it differently. There'll be some teams that'll, you know, your version of resting is literally that you take players out and, and we'll certainly do that. But for some players that play in more than one sort of set position, so I sort of, I sit in, in that category, 
where I have the ability to sort of play deeper for a game and, and, and not move up there. So the split on the weekend is probably 90-10, to be honest, apart from the sort of last five minutes of the game. Um, so every team will do it differently. I think where you can play your mid- midfielders deeper in games where you are controlling the play, I think it's the smart move to to send them forward because the turnarounds for us, I mean, we're playing Monday night. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's in, what, just under two days or whatever it is before we go again. So um, the roll arounds really quickly. So as soon as you realise that, yep, the game's won or you're, you, you know, leading into yeah. the game, you're comfortable with the position that you're in, um, it's around setting yourself up for the next game. It, it's almost a, that NBA version of, you know, there are some games that you not prioritise more than others, but certainly your positional changes are dependent on the health of your squad. So they obviously play 82 games in a season. Ours is far less. And what's really interesting this year is how even the competition is. Like percentage separates, you know, fifth to 12th. So, well, that's the big thing, Pat, yeah. is you, need, you still, like you said before, you still need to win because there's no second chance this year. When I say second chance, you're not playing the same team again, are you, realistically? Uh, so four points is a big deal. Absolutely. And, you know, the difference between top four and top eight is a second chance. But other than that, you clearly home ground advantage will mean little this year because I dare say we'll all be, we'll, we'll all be up in Queensland. So, um, yeah, the management, it's fascinating. I don't know how you found having footy on every night. Oh, I'm loving I it. I think for, <laughs> for, for most Victorians to have something to watch at night, um, you know, under stage four lockdown and restrictions. I think that's pretty important. So, um, you know, we get that as players. And um, for, for so many of us, we're very lucky we still have our jobs because we know it's bloody COVID's affected so many that don't have jobs. Before we do talk a little bit about the uh, the restrictions along Victoria with our lockdown that we've just had is me and the, the boys and I started up a... Uh, little punters club, just six of us. We've got six weeks of ISO. It's a little punters club that we've got going, which is, and because the footy's on every night, it's actually, it's actually good fun. So it's only, I think we put 20 bucks in each a week and we take it in turns over the six days. Who's going to have a little bit of a bet. And I uh, wish I bloody had known you were playing forward during the week, Patrick, because I stuffed the bet up for us. So that wasn't no good. That was no good. I, the boys like, aren't you mates with him? Like he doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, just, Making sure it's all above board, <laughs> not giving anything away. Oh, I lost bloody eighteen hundred <laughs> bucks because of you. So you let me down, not kicking a goal, Dangerfield. Even though you played forward, but that's all right. But back to you the you know all the all I get after games now, and and most of our players are the same as this. All you get is abuse from people <laughs> that had multi, and what leg of you are in the multi. <laughs> Honestly, that that is all we get as players now. If you finish with nineteen possessions, you will get. A whirlwind of abuse. Need twenty. If you miss one, yeah. If you miss one close, you'll get a whirlwind of abuse. For God's sake, just enjoy the game. Not the odds. What's that at? Red's tip this week is get on the get on sports bet because they've added this new fifteen disposal thing in. It works really well. Anyway, enough about talking about gambling. Lockdown has come back upon us here in Victoria, and we're going to try and make the positive side out of it, Patrick, because. I'm sick of all this negative rubbish that is getting around. You probably are too through social media and people at home. Uh, So just basically a bit of uh, chores to get off the top of the show. Uh, Lockdown is upon Victoria. Now, if you're Metro, you cannot fish. Uh, I'm not getting into the rules. We're not talking politics. But long story short, you can't fish in Metro areas at the moment, as I put my fingers up, six weeks. Roughly six weeks, give or take what our mate Andrews does. Not sure if he's many people's mates, 
But let's be honest, it's six weeks. So you've also got regional, which is where uh, I live. I live in Ocean Grove. I copped a bit of hate message during the week when I did an Instagram story. People getting stuck into me. Patrick saying, you're not meant to be fishing. Do you live under a rock? So I copped a little bit of hate. So I, if you are in regional Victoria, so uh, includes of not the Sorrento side of where the Morning Peninsula, towards Gippsland, also my side, Geelong, which I don't reckon we're going to be too far away being locked down, Pat. There's some more cases in Geelong during the week. So not sure where we're going to be at, but we can fish at our closest boat ramp and obviously with a f- one friend or your direct family that you live with. So that's a bit of housekeeping just off the top there, Pat. We're not talking too much about it, but that there is basically the rules that have come out. I've got a, uh, I've got a fix to this, actually. All right. You can act- if you sell your house, you know, I was doing a little bit of dreaming during the week on, uh, on boat sales. You can sell your house, and it's going to be a pretty decent house, I might say, and buy a Riviera 64 <laughs> sports motor yacht, and you can fish all, all you like. You can just do the liverboard because for those playing at home, Riviera have just launched their new uh, Riviera 64 sports motor yacht. It's all part of their 40th anniversary celebration. And... It is just about the most beautiful boat I think I have ever seen. There's a four-minute... Sorry, you go. In terms of a go-anywhere boat, I know what you're about to say. You're about to say there's a four-minute video on this on BoatSales.com, and it is one of the most spectacular boats you'll ever see. And coming from an Australian manufacturer that's made such a, a massive impact globally on sports fishing boats, we should be very proud of the Australians because it's such an incredible boat boat brand and boat story um, that is synonymous with fishing luxury and sport fishing luxury. It's probably, like you said before, you want to sell a house, Patrick. I reckon you need to sell 18 of your new houses to be able to purchase this. They are... Well, she's $4 million, (laughs) this thing, so it's expensive. It is a beautiful boat. Is it practical? That's my question. Well, if, if I'm talking, you know, everyone loves to have the, the, discuss, the discussion around dream boats. Is it I, your dream Riviera boat? Riviera for me, Riviera for, for me has always been my dream boat. Absolutely. I remember going to boat shows and seeing the Riviera 40 back in the early 2000s and thinking this is just the pinnacle of boating, luxury, sports fishing. How great is that? And I've been lucky enough to go out in a few um, throughout my time living in Adelaide, especially one of the, the board members had a, a beautiful Riviera uh, 48, and that was just going out and spending time on that thing was just fantastic. Bit of a difference fishing for whiting off that than... Uh, <laughs> Unpractical for whiting. You can't even get close to a sand hole. <laughs> just the fishing, just off the uh, the back of a tinny. <laughs> my, my dream boats, like I'm going to go a bit more realistic. I'd like to have boats equal up to $4 million, but about 10 of them in certain parts, so I don't have to tow anywhere, so I can just be like, Dangerfield, I'm meeting you at the Melbourne airport, let's go to whoop whoop land right now. <laughs> That's what I want. Well, you're not towing this thing, Let, let's be clear, <laughs> it's, it's slightly, slightly too large, but around the traps, Redmond, uh, before we get into your weekend fishing, there has been a little bit of uh, boating news and engine news. Yamaha has uh, launched their real-world Harmo in exclamation marks, That's the the testing that they're doing now, it's an electric propulsion system. Um, so if one of the league, uh, biggest engine outboard maker in the world is adopting this, it's going to be fascinating to see where this global trend of electric motors 
heads. Yeah, I'm pretty interested by this because not for the fact that I'm interested in it, I'm interested in the performance side of it. So as in like how is it actually going to work? What's it going to offer anglers? They're saying it's going to have high torque, it's going to have a low speed option and also like you and I discussed a bit earlier, Pat, it's going to be easy to drive. So you can, the way that it's designed with its uh, uh, legs and the shaft of it and the way the props work, you're going to have a lot more control on your vessel. So it's going to be a bit more user friendly as such. So... I don't know. Where do you reckon? How long till you think it'll actually make its way into the market, though, Pat? Do you think? Well, it's in the market. Torquedo is a, yeah, is Torquedo. a brand that's made serious inroads over the last few years. It's a European um, manufacturer, and they're they're doing really, really well. Now, the problem clearly with most trailer boats and electric motors will be the weight of the batteries mm, versus yeah. you know weight of the engine, fuel, etc. Like they, if you're going to have a a system that has a decent range, then you are carrying some serious batteries. So that's what's holding it up at the moment. I've got no doubt this is where we're all heading. And some of the some of the stats that you see from the Torquedo outboards, really impressive. The top end speed's actually quite decent. You know, Yamaha are talking around uh, slow speed operation um, being their, their primary focus initially rather than a real performance boat. Torquedo are doing a bit of both at the moment. So they're probably the market leaders in the, in the larger uh, outboard electrics uh, and quite clearly Minn Kota, um, Garmin of recent times, uh, Water Snake, you, you, um, you know, you bow mounted electrics. So there's a fair bit of, fair bit of work at, at play at the moment. I think it's going to be a fascinating area in the boating industry that's going to see a huge amount of change over the next few years. Redmond, your hey, week in fishing. Well, I just want to ask you one quick question. What's the temperature, Gold Coast, right now? Uh, she's about 22, I reckon. 20, and sunny, very, very nice. Yep. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm actually half wishing that... Sorry, Mr. top of 22. Top of 22. Well, I'm half wishing Andrews locks me up because, tell you what, this week fishing was cold. There's nothing less to <laughs> say. Oh, my God, Pat. It's We've hit our prime, I think. And I said the worst part about it last week, I said, we had some beautiful days last week. One of our days, we only got to 20 degrees, and it was stunning. Like, a T-shirt where the fishing, it was unreal. And then this week, Welcome to Melbourne. Uh, we are frozen. It was, I think, at the start of the week. I don't. Even, I think it was top of it was a top of ten degrees on the Monday or Tuesday, and that was actually at three a.m. in the morning. So it was, and I think it got to a top of five during the day. So it snowed. It snowed up near your place, Pat, just at the back of the lawn. There, it snowed. Yes, it did down yep. there. So it's been cold. And to tell you the honest truth, if you're listening to this and you're in lockdown, don't be sad that you can't go fishing. I'm serious because. It is so cold, and the fishing, I'm going to call it, I'm, I always say there's fish to catch all winter, Pat. I'm calling it. We're in the peak hardest time to catch fish. I know the gummies have been still there. We got a couple the other night, but they're not as frequent. Everything has slowed down. The water temperature, give me, give me a go, Patrick. What do you reckon? You like your surfing during the winter after footy. Give me, what do you reckon the water temp is down here? Well, I'm saying uh, 15 degrees in the surf coast, and I'm saying the bays are around 16 at the moment. Oh, the surf coast, so on the ocean, is le- just over 11, and the bay is just under 10, just under 10. Down the oh, bottom end, it was still 11. It is, <laughs> mate, no, no wonder the fish aren't biting, because they're up there with you. So, <laughs> so I, I, but there, there, if you are in regional Vic and you can get out to the bay, there are some whiting off St. Leonard's. We managed to get a nice feed of those during the week. 
uh, some squid down the bottom end too. So they're starting to show, which is good signs for the eggs that are going to come in the coming uh, months. So pretty much after ISO finishes for the average six weeks, we'll call it, as Andrews has given us at the minute, uh, you should be coming into a very good time to fish. We're going to start to see that Blair Gary area start to heat up. Uh, which is going to have your whiting and your salmon fishing. And then you've also got uh, offshore, which is going to also start to heat up too. And once those salmon come, like I finally found some salmon during the week, Pat, which was nice. And, and I loaded up on them because you can never catch enough of them. But like I said, I'm not talking too much about the actual fishing because it's too bloody cold to get out there. But we've got a massive show of real adventures coming this morning. There is plenty to come with. We've all social club. We've got Red's review, Red's tip, and I'm sure Dangerfield will have a good gaff. And we'll see you after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and it is now time for the social club where you can send us your questions via Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, the new Real Adventures app where there has been plenty of questions coming in and it has made our life 10 times easier answering some awesome questions for our followers on there. Patrick, you've been using the app a lot lately as you keep sending me some screenshots. Favorite recipe? I'm putting it on you right now. What is your favorite recipe on there? Well, I love a burger, Edmund, so I, no matter what sort of burger it is, but Sammy Goodwin's Snapper Burger with Yogurt Tartare, uh, what I love about it, and I actually cooked this the other day inside of the uh, the hub, uh, 20 minutes preparation, probably, it says 20 minutes on the, uh, on the app, I reckon it was a bit less than that, and maybe five to eight minutes to cook in itself, super easy uh, to do. Um, the steps are all right there uh, in the app itself. All the how-tos, that's my favourite um, meal at the moment. And as you said, there's so many other meals all um, orchestrated by Sammy that are available on the app, and that's my favourite at the moment. Before we get into the questions, Pat, what you just said there, that burger, it is a beautiful burger with Snapper. Uh, the reason Snapper is good, obviously, the firm flesh, it holds really well. You don't have to use Snapper. You can um, you can put whatever fish uh, you sort of want to try in there. And the fish that I don't – you probably remember when uh, we had Sam co-host it just for a bit of a different – the other week while we are getting organised, Pat. And we put the uh, Nanagai in there and the Swallowtail Snapper – and they were seriously – all we did was change the fish, did the same techniques, but though that fish was beautiful in there. I'd have to say it was better than the snapper. And the reason I think that is, do you find snapper can sometimes be a little bit overpowering at times, Pat, with its strong, stronger flavour? Yes. It's very fishy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's a real, and that sounds – I know it sounds ridiculous to say all that, <laughs> that fish tastes like fish, but it, it that, is that's very, how very every, much an over- – That's how everyone explains it. <laughs> it sounds – No, it is. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> But no, yep, you're spot very on. Very much so. Snapper's not obviously a, a fish that I like to eat uh, too much. So it's something I like to have more of a barbecue style of thing. So say, for example, when we're allowed to have friends again, when I have a few mates come around, we can put a snapper and prepare a whole big, say, three to five kilo snapper on the on the barbie. And that sort of might, might be your entree or your go leading into or main because it's not something you can eat a hell of a lot of for me. And I know people... Put no, I like it, but I like it crispy. Okay, so right. barbecue it, but leave it open. Like, don't... I've you know, cooked it when you when you wrap the whole thing in foil, but I far prefer it when you really crisp up the outside. You know, you end up adding a, a stack of salt to really get that yep. um, crackling effect almost on the skin, but that makes a huge difference for me. Righto, into the questions. 
First one is for you, Dangerfield. Coming from Samuel. Danger, if you don't have to quarantine going into the Gold Coast, I presume, are you allowed to go fishing while you're up on the sunny coast? Uh, yes, Sammy, we are. So as because we, we quarantined in Western Australia and there's been no active cases at all there. So anyone coming from Western Australia doesn't have to into Queensland. Um, well, certainly we didn't. Um, so we are. We're allowed to fish. Not allowed to go out in boats now. That's one of the rule changes um, that's happened. So is that just the AFL or that AFL rule change? That's just an AFL rule change. But yep. you are allowed to go uh, fishing by yourself. So I haven't yet, but I've got the fly rod up here, and there's a couple of beautiful estuaries. So um, I'm going to try brim on fly. We play Monday, so probably uh, middle of next week. So that's my sort of aim. Do we? Um, catch up with our families um, I think they're, they're in next Thursday themselves so um, all of a sudden the, the hub will become a, a big family but um, I'll try and get in a fish before they uh, arrive uh, Ben Collins, hi boys love the show, I caught salmon before the lockdown, I've frozen it, once this latest lockdown finishes would it be okay to use as bait Ben? 100% yep Spot on, Ben. You can uh, definitely use that. Now, uh, before I found salmon during the week, I used salmon. I, I, Pat, you should have seen how I had to get this out of the freezer offshore the other, last week. I legit went into the laundry, got the biggest bucket I had like that would fit in there. I think it was probably like a 40-litre bucket. It wasn't... It was wasn't. It was quite as tall. Well, it was probably, probably 20 litres, and I filled it hot as water as I possibly could, and I found about four salmon on the bottom of my freezer that must have fallen out of bags or I got lazy one afternoon. I tipped the hot water on it to try and break it off the bottom. I hit it with a, a, I had a sledgehammer next to the freezer. I hit it with a sledgehammer to try to break it off while the water was slowly defrosting it. And that there is how you look after bait and you and, and you catch salmon. And you Sorry, use salmon to catch gummy sharks because if that is going to catch anything, which I caught two gummies on it, <laughs> then it's saying something. So I had fresh wrasse out as well. And the, just by chance, the, the, the dirty old... I don't even know when this was caught, to be honest with you, Pat. This could have been... <laughs> probably this time last year when I did my big salmon load up. So I reckon, Ben, that your uh, salmon's going to be in okay use if you're frozen it like you have. But obviously, fresh is best. But don't be hit, don't be scared that you've frozen it for a period of time. If you've frozen it, try and keep the freezer burn. Obviously, cryvacking is the way to go, not leaving it in the bottom of your freezer. But definitely, if you can cryvac it, keep the, the, the basically the, uh, uh, sorry, what am I trying to say? The frozen, what, the burn, the freezer burn, Pat. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Keep the freezer burn off it. And then you obviously... You got there eventually. Yeah, I was just trying to get my word out. But the freezer burn can really <laughs> dry out the skin. And when you defrost it, it can go mushy underneath as well. So, yeah, looking after it, you definitely will uh, catch a couple more fish. Patrick, next question is for you. Tim, where is the 750 at danger, and is it true Red will be the first to use it? <laughs> well, I've, I've got a few issues with the 750 at the moment because it has been built in South Australia. So if the lockdowns continue, it's not going to be able to cross the border. So, <laughs> so there, there could be a few issues there. Um, most likely, yes, Aaron will be the first to, to drive. I think at this stage, it's still going to be ready around September. At the moment, um, all the, the foam, foam-filled hull, so all the foam is being injected. It was the other day, which is pretty exciting. So I've got a few uh, photos from Rob to sort of see the stage that it's up to. So it's all starting to, to come together. It's sort of been a, a long process to sort of go through the, the wish list and what's practical. Um, Dangerfield, 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 Dangerfield. No, 
It's normal for a person but to organise a boat. It's difficult dealing with you and your wish list. <laughs> <laughs> well, wish, wish, wish lists are a part of life, let's be honest. What, with your 69-inch so, screen that goes in the dash? <laughs> this is 22, this is 22. <laughs> so it's, it's at the moment, Tim, it's all on track. Um, Foam fill, as I said, that's going at the moment. So it's, uh, it's getting there slowly. Uh, last one is from Gary. Red, you spoke about knives in last week's show. Uh, what's your favourite brand to use? Good question. Uh, I have a range of different knives, and some of them are better conditions than others. Like I said earlier, I like to have, obviously, a bait knife and a uh, filling knife, so I like to keep my knives separate as much as I possibly can. But Kershaw is a fantastic brand of knife that I run, and also F. F. Dick, they're called. F. D. Yeah, F. D. Dick or F. Dick. They're a fantastic knife. Uh, you can get different sizes, whether it's boning, fielding, or even your, uh, your your bigger, longer one. If you've got a tuner, like your nine-inch fielding too, still a fielding knife, but not your standard uh, whiting fielding knife. But that is basically the range that I tend to use. But there is so many fantastic brands out there. Find a knife that you like that sits in your hand. Sounds pretty like tacky saying oh find a knife that sits nice in your hand but when you're cleaning fish and you've got say 40 whiting to do and you're sitting there going with your wrist because it's not sitting nice in your hand it does I, I honestly get the sorest hand after cleaning whiting because or even tuna when you've done a whole barrel tuna and you do some whiting the lead up to that you do get a sore hand so find a nice knife that sits really good for yourself and then you'll uh, you'll be laughing when you clean a fish next time i haven't had too many issues with uh catching 40 whiting and a barrel <laughs> tuna so <laughs> haven't had as many issues with the uh, the grip, but you know beggars can't be cheap. <laughs> no comment there. <laughs> it is now time for our dream boating destination. And Patrick, where are we heading today? Well, we're heading up to the uh, the sunny coast, Redmond. Yep, Twin Waters is where a few of the uh, the AFL teams are playing at the moment. And in particular, I want to focus on Maroochydore. My uncle lives up in beautiful place. What's that? My uncle lives up in Maroochydore. Well, is he a fisherman? Because he'd want to be. There's some wonderful places to fish. I'm actually a, an avid fan of the uh, the three metre flatty, as I know. Quite you are a few. not. You are not an avid fan, Dangerfield. You don't. You even come on my little bandwagon with the other heart, with the whole nation. You don't like the three metre flatty that much. There's some great flatheads <laughs> to be caught up in the uh, up and around the Maroochydore uh, River. And clearly offshore Redmond, there's also some ripping fish there. As yeah, well. it is. It's a it's a fantastic place to go fishing up there. Like you said, nice and warm most of the year. It's a place that I'd consider buying a centre console, Patrick. But it's off Sunshine <laughs> Coast, basically in the ocean. You're going to find cod, red emperor, cobia, some seriously good snapper fishery, and also kingfish too. But, Pat, the question is, and I've got a challenge for you over the next weeks, and I'm hoping well, you, you actually can't. I don't think you've got a chance to get offshore, but I want you to find out for me what their thoughts are uh, on eating fish out of the Sunshine Coast. Now, I'm not talking about your Red Emperors and the, the likes. I'm talking about the fish that we catch here in Victoria. I want you to do a bit of a compare for me. So I'm talking... I can already answer this question because they all say the same thing. Yeah, go on. No one looks... Well, it's, it's, it's they're nowhere near as good at eating, whether it be kingfish, as you just mentioned, whether it be snapper. Yep. And from my experience from eating fish up here versus in colder waters, I tend to agree with it. Except when you go reef-based species, and then they're absolutely beautiful. But I've certainly found 
particularly snapper and kingfish, they're nowhere near as nice eating. Yeah, that's definitely in the lines that I've heard too. I, like, I haven't obviously done, eaten it, and like you said, you just have. So if you do get a chance, make sure you check out that. I want to know the difference with the snapper, what you, what actual difference you can find in it, whether it's mushier or like a not as firm flesh, because I don't, like they still living in the ocean. They should be a clean-eating fish. And like you said, the reef fish taste beautiful up there, and they're sort of eating the same thing. So... That is the little challenge for you. And that was the dream at boating destination. We headed to Marucci Door. We've got plenty to come after the break. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to the show, and it is now time for the Real Adventures Rewind. All for Dometic, enjoy our drink on the rocks on your next outdoor adventure with Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker Model. Happers, I am very excited for our next guest. He's a Premiership All-Australian centre-half back of the Geelong Football Club. Harry Taylor joined us. Good morning, Harold. Good morning, Patrick. Now, Harry, uh, I've got a question straight up for you. Now, you are playing North Melbourne this weekend, and we spoke about it at the start of the show. Is Ben Cunnington or Patrick Dangerfield the better fisherman? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> look, I, I haven't seen a lot of Ben's work. I know... On the football field, he's going really well flying, but uh, I haven't seen a lot of his off-field sort of work. I have seen Patrick's, and (laughs) the fact that that he can catch a fish whilst on a sup board with a reasonably reasonably dodgy back is a pretty good effort. So um, I'd have to say he's got chocolates at this stage. We're, we're, we're decided this week's coming off the most super coach points after Saturday, so we're up to you. <laughs> Just looking after each other, the teammates. <laughs> Harry, you are, of course, from WA and from Geraldton. Uh, that's our destination this morning on Follow the Sun. Take us to Geraldton, um, your upbringing there and why you love the area and the fishing and diving around it. Yeah, so very lucky, uh, Pat, to grow up on a farm, only about... Uh, 15Ks from Port Gregory, which is a, a really small coastal uh, fishing town. Cray fishing sort of the, the only thing to do there, basically. And my grandfather was one of the original cray fishermen within the area, um, dating right back to sort of the, the early 50s. So um, grew up eating quality uh, sheep and cattle and then also had the luxury of having crayfish. Um, but basically, I guess, from a very young age, grew up always around the ocean, We'd always go down there to see Nana and Pop. We'd go for holidays. Um, very, very lucky to have a great upbringing um, around the ocean. And I guess that's when I first, um, yeah, you don't sort of fall in love with it. You almost becomes a part of you. And I'm, the ocean is very much a part of me now. There's just the smell when I go back to WA. Um, obviously, Geraldton, another coastal town, just the, the waves, the sound of the ocean, those sort of things, I find them very therapeutic and very relaxing. Sounds like he's throwing a pitch to the old West Coast there to get a, get a throw <laughs> over there, Pat. What are you yeah, heading back. But um, I had a quick sneaky look in Google about the place, the Brolis Islands. It looks absolutely... Which outs- is close by, yes. It just looks absolutely outstanding, which is right next to... Yeah, let's say, exactly how far off is it? 60 kilometres yeah, outside the mainland? Yeah, that's right. They're eight, about 80 kilometres out. There's 122 islands, I think, they're, and they're in about four different groups um, of smaller um, sort of island groups, if you like, and um, basically just coral atolls that are poking out of the water, more than no more than probably one to two metres. Um, some of them have a little bit of sand, others are just all rock, but just an absolutely magic place. Uh, and there's a lot of chalets and huts out there that the crayfish have always used over the years. 
Um, but now with tourism taking off and things starting to change, there is more opportunity for the general public to get out there and explore them. The Batavia, a famous ship that sunk out there, um, was part of the Dutch East Indies group way back in 1629, I guess is what made the islands a little bit more famous. Um, and then they've, yeah, I mean, always had some form of industry, whether it be crayfishing or um, some other sort of types of mining. There's been various mines out there as well of um, different things, but just a magic place. And again, I find them so therapeutic. And every time I go back to WA, I love to get out there and dive and fish and just relax. Do you stay out there on the islands and those atolls when you're there, Harry? Because I know you spent a bit of time there last year and there was diving and fishing, as you said, but where are you staying when you when you explore a region like that? Yeah, so currently the way that it works is you have to know a cray fisherman or someone with an aquaculture licence to stay on particular islands. There's some that are, have um, houses or huts, if you like, on them, and uh, the cray fishermen or people that own aquaculture licence can only access them. So fortunately for me, um, I know a couple of the cray fishermen and been lucky enough to stay with them. Otherwise, there's plenty of um, public moorings that you can just pull up on and utilise at free will, and I've done that plenty of times as well. That's probably um, one way I like to do it with a couple of friends. We, we load the boat up with, with um, not much more than just our tackle, water, sleeping gear, and we head out and um, basically go on an adventure and try to eat what we, uh, eat what we catch and, and, and sort of live a really primitive, nomadic type of life for a couple of days. No phones, really switch off and... Um, just, yeah, as I say, listen to the ocean. you got the sun above you for a good 10 hours of the day and it's just a beautiful place to relax. Talk to me about the fishing, Harry. I reckon it'll be a pretty poor place for fishing. <laughs> <laughs> hard to catch a fish there. Very, very hard. <laughs> um, it, it's unbelievable. We go diving a lot and, and spear fishing is allowed in WA um, and, I mean, that's a, a really easy way to, to get the, the get the fish they're so um inquisitive and want to really see what you're doing so unfortunately they sort of almost swim up to your gun but um <laughs> the dew fish is uh, the dew fish is the i guess the pearl of the wa waters the dhu fish it's um i guess a, a, a native fish to west australia and just a beautiful fish a really big eye um, a lovely sort of silver color but they are just magic to eat, and there's plenty of those around the area, as well as the coral trout. They're probably the other fish that you would catch the most um, in those waters. Uh, and again, you find them under sort of the plate corals. You find them anywhere from one metre of water in depth to, to up to 30 metres. There's often cases where you can just cast straight off the islands into some of the coral, and, and the fish will swim up. It's, um, it's a magic place and, and great for fishing. Harry, uh, having fished plenty for um, coral trout, but not so much for Western Australian jewfish, uh, coral trout are a renowned hard-fighting fish. How do you compare them to, to the jewfish? Yeah, the jewfish, not as much. They sort of tend to... You can tell the sort of bite that you're getting if you've done it a few times. A snapper, I find, uh, the pink snapper in WA, sort of more of a, a really... Um, hard bite they'll sort of grab on and then they'll fight for a while and then give up pretty quick the coral trout probably a little bit similar whereas the jewfish have a really big mouth and it's almost like a gulp type of bite um, they just really gulp onto whatever you're using for bait and then they'll sort of pull and push for a little while but then again they give up pretty quickly and one thing you've got to be mindful of with jewfish is their ability to blow their bags so um, if you do catch the undersized ones, quickly put on the appropriate gear, get them back down, swim them as fast as you can. Hopefully they survive. 
Sure, um, yeah. And then we'd move on to another area pretty quickly um, because we knew that there'd be some juvenile runs around there. So we'd move on to a different spot to fish. Have you caught much uh, yellowfin or Spanish mackerel out of there? Yeah, plenty of uh, Spanish mackerel as well. And, um, yeah, there, there's plenty of yellowfin tuna around. Um, they're, they're really good fun, something that we troll for, something a little bit different. Um, and, again, really fresh and, and beautiful to eat. Doesn't need a lot of cooking, doesn't need a lot of um, work done to it. We basically just slice it up, chuck it in the pan really quickly, and, and that's dinner. It's um, it's really good fun, those types of fish. Harry, you spent over 10 years now uh, in Victoria. When you're fishing Victoria, you don't really need to worry about the sharks, or if you dive in Victoria, it's not a massive issue. WA is a slightly different scenario because they are everywhere. <laughs> they are. There's a lot of them at the island too, and um, all sorts of shapes and sizes. There's the great whites all the way down to your sort of, I guess, less dangerous types of sharks. But fortunately for me, I've done a lot of diving. I haven't seen any as of yet. Um, there's certainly been some stories where plenty of sightings, and unfortunately a couple of people have been taken over the years um, by great whites um, at, at various points. But, I mean, it's not something I've sort of ever really worried about. Again, growing up on the water, um, you just never think about it when you're a kid. And now that I've got kids of my own, I'm probably a little bit more cautious, but <laughs> I just love it so I just love it so much. And um, I, I, I really find that... Um, the, the one thing I tell people is when you walk past a bakery or a cafe and there's food in the window, you don't always go and eat it. You're not always hungry. I try to think of like that like the shark. They might see you, but they're not always hungry, so they're probably a good chance to leave you alone, Pat. Harry, I haven't seen you walk past too many bakeries and not drive in, <laughs> not walk in. No, you're very, very good point, Patrick, very good point. I use myself as a bad example there, don't I? <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to bring you somewhere else where it's just 25 all year round, beautiful and sunny, never see a cloud in the sky, Pat. Back to Geelong. <laughs> so you do, a li- you do a little bit of uh, diving through the summer period when you are home in Port Phillip Bay, I hear. Yeah, I've, um, I've got a, a couple of good mates. Uh, one in particular, he's got a boat um, who we go out and do some scallop diving with, and that's something that I sort of just by chance got into over here. I really loved it in WA and um, he had a hooker, the whole setup with the compressor and whatnot. So I was lucky enough to run into him. And yeah, we go out often and get scallops, um, flathead, um, squid, those types of things. Just nice and relaxing and easy to do with the kids. But the scallop diving in particular, there's just something about being underwater, listening to your breath. Um, I do yoga. I have done for the last 10 years as part of my football recovery. I find diving to be very similar in terms of just being relaxed, being in the moment. Um, you can sort of, sort of switch off and the one thing about the scallops is it's not all that exciting sort of picking them up compared to the craze. The crayfish <laughs> yeah. is a bit more of a, a bit more of a thrill, I guess. Um, but the, the scallops, they basically just sort of swim along and you can pick them up very easily. There's not much um, thrill in the hunt, if you like. One thing that I love the most is my diving hurry out of here, and it's, I absolutely love it. I couldn't agree any more with the relaxing side of things. Now, the serious question, do you reckon we could get Pat in the water? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know if Pat's... Um, he's certainly got the lung capacity to dive. I'm not sure he'd need to hook a like I would. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I'd, um, have a crack. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the... Um, there might be some nice little reefs and whatnot around Anglesey and Mogs and stuff to have a look at. <laughs> I know there's Abalone down that way for sure, but Port Phillip Bay is probably not the most exciting place for him to start. I'd love to bring him over to the Abrolhos Islands and, and get him on the hooker there, and I think his eyes would be really wide and bright. 
I think the Rolls is the place to uh, to do it, Harold. Uh, has <laughs> thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure to talk about your passion of diving and fishing, and what a, a wonderful coastline. Uh, WA is Gerald and the Abrolis uh, and your upbringing there. So thanks for joining us this morning. No worries at all, guys. Cheers. Thanks for having me Thanks on. a lot, Harry. Thanks, mate. He's an absolute superstar. I didn't Harry realise Taylor. how much... Like, I didn't know that he... Look, out of all the people you've bought fishing with us from your footy club, he was probably one of the ones that you probably should have. Well, I don't, we, haven't, we haven't fished enough together. We're not as of late. Well, you can't, compare, you can't compare Scott Selwood to... Uh, to Harold, Harry Taylor. He actually knows what's going on, Harry. So, <laughs> The first time I watched you fishing, I was watching you trying to net the squid over the side. I think it was Scott and... George. George, and you just had ink on the side of the boat and you're the new, new North And you know Bay. what I'm like with my I was, boat. I just, it just drives me nuts. And uh, we might have to give Harry the old invite next time. That was the Real Adventures Rewind for Dometic Mobile Living. Made easy. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and we are on the home stretch. Only a couple more segments, but before we do finish up, we have a couple of things. Pat, we've got Red's tip and, of course, the flying gaff. But did you see during the week the sunfish that literally nearly washed up on your Moggs Creek uh, doorway, Pat? No, Redmond, because I've been away for eight weeks straight. Well, social media. But social I, media. I did see it on social media, and it was bloody massive. No, yeah. wonder, no wonder boats, when they hit them, like you could just about destroy a uh, a small yacht. <laughs> That's a good. I got a question for another time about a yacht. But anyway, this was washed up <laughs> at Kennet River, which is obviously just down the road from yourself. And ocean sunfish are renowned for being one of the large, for being the largest bony fish in the world. Pat, so they they are massive. They can grow over four meters in well. I don't know whether to say length or height because these things are like round. (laughs) (laughs) They they lie sideways or upwards or whatever they want to do on the day. So we'll go in height. But this one, the one that uh, washed up on the beach, it had a length of 3.1 metres, which is basically from the top dorsal fin uh, to the top of the anal fin. So like I said, they lay sideways and they lay upwards. So you can call it whatever you want. But that is a big fish. And I have been fortunate enough to see a few of these outside of the Port Phillip Bay Heads. And funny story, I had a contract with Melbourne Aquarium uh, a few years ago with a company that I work with uh, through Rip Charters. And <laughs> we were doing a gummy shark program with them. And we were out targeting gummy sharks for the day. And just by chance, we come along this sunfish. And it gave us all the attention in the world, this sunfish. And we've never seen one before at the time. Toby, my skipper, I think he said he'd seen one others. And he'd been... Uh, fishing for quite a period of time and we rocked up to them like oh look at this look at this that's amazing like oh can we try and catch it like let's all right our next program next week we're going to come out and they were serious we're going to come out and catch a sunfish for the aquarium and toby and i looked at each other like mate we've seen one of these in our lifetime you've got no chance of coming back out here and catching another one (laughs) like wake up to yourself so yeah that was pretty funny but anyway it is now time for red's tip and this tip this week is coming off the back of driving a vessel on the water and you need to understand that conditions change each day and also each direction that you're actually moving in pat now if you're in the ocean and you're traveling in a following sea so what i mean by a following sea so that's a sea that's following you so say for example you're heading uh coming in the same direction yeah heading the same direction that you're going and there's so many different attributes to a boat that you can use to help the performance of your boat and 
One, starting with your normal trim. Some vessels also have trim tabs. I'm not a massive advocate on trim tabs. I try to let the boat drive itself, but certain boats do need them for certain things. But driving with the following sea can be dangerous at times, especially if you're coming into a bar. And for instance, I have to cross the Barwon River. Not not a notorious bar, but it can play up at times. I've got waves over the front there on occasions. But it's about getting your boat in the position to get yourself out of trouble. And also by using your engine, your trim with that following C to have vantage you to get yourself out of trouble also. So it's about lifting your nose up. You don't want to be nose diving with a following C. And all you're doing is basically broaching, which as the technical fishing word, uh, boating word, broaching. What that means is your boat starts to broach either way. You want to get your nose up and you want to have the back half of your hull doing all the work so you can get your nose out and get yourself out of a situation. And when you're coming into a bar with a following sea on top of it, you need to be aware and follow waves. And what I mean by that is you want to be following the back of a wave, not sitting 10, 15 meters, 30 meters behind it, that wave is in front of you. You're using your throttle. You've got your trim up and you've because you've been in a following sea and you're keeping your nose just behind that wave so the wave can't break on you. And then also behind you, say for example, there's a set coming in. You've got the set coming in from the back behind you and you've got to keep that nose up and keep a look behind you, that wave coming, but make sure you're sitting on the back of that wave in front of you as close as you can without going over the top of it and you should be safe in a following sea and also when you are crossing a bar. So that is Red's tip this week. Dangerfield, I'm going to let you fire away and take us home with the Flying Gaff. Yeah, the Flying Gaff this week, Redmond, goes to a teammate of mine, Brian Myers, who, after having a good game <laughs> and kicking forward, just decided to uh, to out me and say that I was grumpy and uh, knocking me for constantly kicking it over his head. Well, um, <laughs> got a little bit of news for you, Sonny Jim. You just worry about kicking goals. I'll worry about getting it in there. And maybe just play a few more games, cut your hair, and worry about impacting a bit more. So the gaff this week, Ryan Myers, and your terrible-looking goal-kicking routine. <laughs> okay, now does, I'm going to pause you there. Work, so. I'm, I'm going to go with 11 straight, Dangerfield, just to let you know. 11 straight goals he is. That's what he's kicked. He's 11 straight, mate. He is 11 straight. This. So the gaff this week goes to me, Aaron. Um. Oh, I just literally I saw it come up on my social media during the week. He is eleven straight. What are you? Well, what are you? Are you one from fifteen? Well, I just can't say. All right, guys, thank you for listening to Real Adventures today, and uh, we'll see you later. Uh, don't you? Feel, I knew that that was unreal. That couldn't that couldn't have backfired better. My gaff is going to you also. This has been Real Adventures. Dangerfield's going to training, and I'm going to stay inside because it's blowing a gale. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next week on Real Adventures. Cheers. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.